All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and our special guest making a return appearance, our father, John Davidson, and I'm your host, Kyle Davidson. Pretty new new listeners to the Money Wise program. Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 33rd year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So, as we kick off every weekend's Moneywise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 107 points, or three-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 89 points, or 1.9%. And the NASDAQ last week was down 709 points, or 4.5%. And that would also be the year-to-date. Yes. Numbers all wrapped up into one. You only get, we only get one week of the so, show to actually do that. So before we get too deep, I think a round of applause for Dad joining yes, us today. Yes, he's back. He's and, and, back. And, Thank ha- you. and happy birthday. Happy Thank birthday. You. 77 years young. Double, double sevens. There you go. Double, double sevens. sevens. Well, uh, I, I, and my I, phone I, number in college was Greenwood 70070, so I like the number seven. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I know that longtime listeners – clients they've been clamoring to hear you back on the show and so we finally got everything set up from a technology standpoint we're going to work on a little bit better headset but we'll still be able to uh to hear you're saying during the commercial break our listeners need to go get their popcorn ready uh well i I would say i would say for listeners as they know dad gets a little you know we we try not to be as political on the money wise program in this current cultural climate but uh, but politics do have a bearing when it comes to Wall Street, and there are cause and effects. And so I think uh, this weekend's show might be have a little bit more of a uh, political uh, bent to it. So I don't, think, I don't think so, but I do think you should admit to the fact that I was the original loose cannon long before <laughs> President Trump arrived on the scene. <laughs> this is absolutely true. You've been you've been the loose cannon since '05. That's right. So I, just get, I just want that. I mean, he stole that from me. You are the OG. I am the, I am the original. I am well, the goat. That's right. The original. When it comes to uh, the loose cannon, I am the greatest goat of all time. 
Okay. Well, so thank goodness, thank goodness, this program is recorded, so we can edit it just in case. But let's getting back to the the task at hand and reviewing Wall Street this past week, because obviously with all three major indexes down for the week, Nasdaq taking it hardest on the chin, and the conversations I've had with clients this past week, those that I've spoken to, and we have done this ourselves. You know, the first couple of weeks. At the beginning of a new year, we see a lot of rebalancing that takes place in portfolios, profit-taking. We did all of that, actually, the very first day of the new year on January 3rd, taking profits from some of our big winners, rebalancing our total portfolio, uh, making extensive changes to the index base to our portfolios. And so the first couple weeks, we're going to see this volatility, although the Fed minutes, and I know, Dad, we're in the first segment already talking about the Fed, which I know is your favorite subject. That's you've already talked too long. Too long, I know. the the market The market did react to the December of FOMC meeting minutes, which caused and kind of precipitated a little bit more of this selling this past week. Elvis has left the bed, has, has left the room when it comes to what the Fed policy is. They are the tail on the weenie dog of the market economy. They are so far behind the curve that uh, they're not even in the left field. And so they are going to be following the market. They're going to be following interest rates all year. They do not have a handle on interest rates. And we are going into uncharted waters when it comes to interest rates this year. Well, here's a big debate. Here's a big debate, and I'll ask the whole group because, you know, this is something that I've talked about on past weekend shows, on past MoneyWise programs, where I know the Federal Reserve is supposed to be bipartisan, but being that ah. we're in a midterm, I know, being ah. that we're be in, in midterm election year, I don't, think, I don't think the Fed, even though they are behind the curve when it comes to inflation and interest rate policy, monetary policy, they also can't go into a raising pattern or a hawkish pattern that could you know, possibly push the market down 20 25% or to put a complete halt to the economy. I mean, what do you guys think? I don't think that they could possibly do that, even though they're behind the curve from a monetary policy standpoint. I think they're a little cognizant of the end of 2018. They don't want to see that happen, the 20% downturn in the market. In the fourth quarter on December, where we all got a little bit where we all got lumps of coal in our stockings, even on Christmas, you know, on Christmas Eve. Um, and so I know I read an interesting article Friday morning that some analysts are saying that even though the Fed knows they're behind the curve, they can't be too terribly aggressive in their interest rate increases because they can't put a screeching halt to the economy and they, and they don't want to push the market to a 20% correction. Well, I don't think raising interest rates is going to put a screeching halt to the economy. I think it could put a screeching halt to uh, double-digit returns in the stock market like we've had over the last three years in a row. But I'm not in the camp that just because they – if they raise rates three or four times this year, it's going to have the effect of we're going to have a correction. We are overdue a correction of any reasonable size, and we're overdue – we're overdue a 20% correction. But by their very nature, they are corrections. I don't think the market's going to be down 20% this year. I don't think it's going to be down 15% this year. I don't think it's going to be down 10% this year. But I think at any one time this year, we'll, be, we'll have been down 10 15 and maybe 20% at one point this year. But I don't think we're going to end the year that way. No. 
No, I don't either. <clears throat> I, I feel that, like you say, Jeff, we, we've been way overdue for a 10 to 20% correction. There's no, there's no question about that. The problem has been is that it's always, what are you going to do with the money when you take the money out of the market? I mean, other than real estate, you know, what, what is really working other than real estate and the stock market? I, I, nothing in my life. I don't have, you know, I, my baseball cards, I don't own them anymore. So, all right. Well, Dad, well, Dad, hold that thought. We're going to take our first commercial break. We'll pick up on your, uh, on your comments when we come back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from the Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in to this weekend's MoneyWise program, we got a full crew. We've got Jeff, got Joe, we've got John, and myself, Kyle Davidson. Before we went to commercial break, Dad, you were making a comment that, you know, we're long overdue in the market for a 10 to 20% correction. Long, long overdue. But the, the point that you were making before the break is, okay, so let's say that you're an active manager and you raise some cash during the pullback, and now you have the cash on the sidelines. Where are you supposed to go with it? And I know an acronym that we've talked about for more than a year now on the MoneyWise program is the TINA acronym, which stands for There Is No Alternative. And so you were talking about real estate, of course, real estate being local, we know real estate prices have been elevated for quite a period of time. I know Joe and I have a good friend that's in the mortgage business, and he feels that we're kind of getting to the precipice where we're going to start seeing prices come down. Granted, the San Antonio Austin area might be a different story than other areas of the state or country. I think we are seeing a peaking here in Corpus Christi, Kyle. I would agree with that. For real estate. You know, I keep up with that market every day. I know you do. And, and and we just had a house on the other side of the road from us go on the market, and I thought it looks a little cheap. I thought they actually were an aggressive seller, and, okay. and that's something we haven't been seeing. So looking at the market, in, in, in every conversation I've been having with every client, and, and the way that we've described it is we're in a ship, and we're looking out over the bow, um, and we're seeing darker clouds on the horizon. The waters aren't exactly choppy just yet, but we know going into 2022, we're going to be seeing the Federal Reserve trying to catch up from a monetary policy standpoint, turning more hawkish. We know the markets, the stock market does not like uh, as much of a hawkish Fed. There's an old saying, you don't fight the Fed. So we've got some little bit darker clouds. Now, for us and our portfolios, what we did this past Monday is that we had battened down our hatches in our portfolios, bringing in some new asset classes, diversifying away from single stock risk across every single one of our portfolios and asset allocation models. And we're preparing that. We also did very unique things on the fixed income side of our portfolios. I like the way Jeff said it is that we are shorting long maturities and we're going long short maturities. 
yeah. um, is what we're doing on the fixed income side of the portfolio. And we haven't shorted long maturities in quite a few number of years. And so far, this position has worked very well for us this past week. And we've seen the 10-year Treasury yield increase by more than 20 basis points, which is more than two-tenths of 1% this past five trading days alone. What did we go out on the 10-year? 1.767 on Friday. Which is almost the high of last year, right? Yes, that's correct. I believe it's it's in and around, if not if not higher, super close. Now I want to say that I was seeing on CNBC early on Friday that it that the ten year Treasury was trading at a two year high yield. Um, but I, can I just interject something a little bit? This there's this fear in investors that if the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates, that that is a instant recipe for losing money in stocks. And I just wanted to take a little history lesson here real quick to dispel that notion. And I'm going to go back to the last time that the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates post at post the three-year bear market that ended in uh, 2002, if my memory serves me correctly. That's correct. You are correct. So, and this was during the reign of uh, Ben Bernanke. Robert E. Lee. There you go, Dad. Uh, Beginning in 2004, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates from, with the Fed funds rate was at 1%. That was the lowest that the Fed funds rate got after the three-year bear market. So beginning in 2004, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates a total of four times, and the S&P 500 was up just shy of 11% that year with dividends. The following year, in 2005, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates eight times in 2005. From That's two, hard to believe, right? From two and very a half, hard to believe. Two and a half to four and a quarter percent, and the and the S and P five hundred with dividends was up just shy of five percent. In in, in two thousand and six, um, and I'm going to correct myself. Those two years were actually under Alan Greenspan. Greenspan. Pardon me. Yeah. Bernanke took over in two thousand and six, where they oh. continued to raise interest rates. Uh, two thousand and six, there were four interest rates in- increases. And the S&P 500 was up just shy of 16%. Well, Jeff, I wanted to add in there, in October 9th of 07, the markets hit all-time highs, and the 10-year Treasury was around 4.65%. So I wanted to kind of add on to your point. The point that I'm making as far as... Before you you go too far, I I just want to add a few more things. A few more stats. Give it to us. A few more stats. Just... In 2004, the unemployment rate was 3.9. Now, today we had interest rates on Friday come out. Was it 4? No, our, our unemployment rate is 3.9. So, 3.9. So the unemployment rate today is the same as it was in 2004, and I believe this is the end of the year measurement, when the federal funds rate that year ended at 2.25%. Also, inflation in 2004 was 2.7%. Now, I don't have the inflation numbers for 2021 handy. They were much higher than that. We all know this. Yes. The unemployment rate in 2005 was 3.5%. The unemployment rate in 2006 
was 4.4%. Unemployment actually went up, you know, had started to go up by 2006. Well, the, the Federal Reserve raised interest rates a total of, was that 8 plus 5 plus 3? Was it uh, 8, 16 times, 17 times between 2000 and three and 2006 and, 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 and the SP 500 was up. Yes. Then if the same people were managing portfolios today that were managing portfolios, then I'd feel a lot more comfortable about what's going on with the fed. The problem is the new generation of portfolio managers have never faced this. So we do not know how they're going to react. My concern is, since they're from the now generation, they're not going to have the patience that we saw back earlier in the century. And that's what makes me uncomfortable. Well, I say we're going into uncharted territories. I'm not concerned about higher rates. I thought an 8% mortgage in 1971 was the greatest thing in my life. So (laughs) I am not worried about 5% 10-year bonds. I know our country can survive with a 10-year bond at 5%. Even at this debt level? Even at this debt level? The problem is is I can't survive these portfolio managers. And Kyle's point on the debt level, when we've got this level of debt and we know we're going to get a build back better plan sometime in the first six months of this year, it'll be smaller than what it was last year, but it's a guarantee that Manchin will agree to a smaller amount, and they're going to pass that because that's their only hope in November. They don't have much hope. That's their only hope. They must get the Build Back Better plan passed. So they are going to pass something in the first six months of the year, and it's going to add to the deficit, and, and it's like, let's just make it a little more uncertain, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to make it even more uncertain well, here's- as, to, as to how in the world are we going to service this debt, given all these spending programs that they want to put out there? It's like, who's going to be the first politician that cuts back on pre-K? Who's going to be the first politician that cuts back on family leave if they get these? Well, I, it, he won't, like he or she will not be reelected. We were, to, we were talking about it earlier this year. Once you turn it on, you can't turn it off. That's, that's very the, difficult to do that. That's been the, that's been the history of my life, but we're getting to the point where um, there there's going to have you know the day of reckoning is coming, and maybe it will be under the Republican House next year and the Republican president in the year 2025. But you know, is there a Paul Volcker out there where we're going to have to really rein these things in? It's not going to happen under a Democratic Party. It's got to happen under the Republican Party. Well, and, and even in, you know, going back to the Fed policy, and, and I'm going to have to pick this up on the on the at the other side of the bottom hour, is is even if the Fed raised rates three times this year at 25 nothing. basis points, it's nothing. it's 75 basis points. It's point seven five percent. Still massively historic low from a Fed fund rate. It's just like you said, Dad how the market's going to react to it because of the now generation portfolio managers. So let's pick up this point on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this.
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget to, subscri- to subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments and don't forget to like the show. So, if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, talking about Federal Reserve interest rate policy, Jeff, you were giving some statistics where the Fed was raising rates, you know, over the course of several years in the beginning of this century, more than 16 times with unemployment rate that was actually right around where we're at right now after the Friday's job report of 3.9%, but that the markets still continue to move higher. And and I definitely want to reiterate the fact of all this talk about the Fed's monetary policy. We're not saying that 2022 is going to be a negative year. I think it's going to be a positive year. Jeff, I know you think it's going to be a positive year. Joe, Dad, all of us feel it's going to be a positive year. Do we feel it's going to be a double-digit positive year? No. I think we're all in the same camp thinking that it's not going to be at a double-digit. Dad might go the Abby Joseph Cohen route of just saying 10% and being 10 done to 15, with it. 10 to 15. 10 to 15. But, but, but the point is, the reason why we're talking about it is just to prepare all investors for the volatility that is going to follow as the Fed is making changes to their monetary policy, becoming more hawkish, because Dad brought up a very good point in the last segment about how many young newer now generation portfolio managers that weren't managing money back at the beginning of the century. I mean, of course, we were here at Davidson Capital Management being in our 33rd year of business. But here's something else that we didn't have back in the early 2000s. That was money being managed through algorithms. And these algorithms that are, of course, programmed by human beings, where they're trying to basically extrapolate the technical frequencies of the market to make investment decisions, leaving out emotions and the art form of asset management, which was something that was taught to Jeff and I very early on in our career by our dad, is that managing money is not only a science, but it's an art. And the algorithms eliminate the art form of money management. And that's a very good point that dad brought up, because as we saw just this past week, when they released the Fed minutes from the November, from the December meeting, these are and the minutes. markets. Minutes. These are minutes, exactly. They're and not actual actions. These are just minutes. They're yeah, thinking, that, thinking about there it. Is exactly. There is these a difference. There is a difference between minutes and actions. And, and the market and the market reacted to the Fed talking about possibly let it, allowing their eight trillion plus dollar balance sheet to roll off sooner, meaning that they're not as bonds mature. In the Fed's portfolio, they're not going to take that principle that they return, that get returned back to them when the bond matures and reinvest it in new bonds. They just take the money out. Yeah, Jeff. Um, I would say that the markets were already primed going into this week to have uh, a lot of the high flyers be sold. I mean, that's what you profit taking. There'd be a lot. I mean, we did it on day one. As soon we as the markets open, we did it on day one. Other money managers, advisors, they were doing it, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then that news comes out. I mean, how many folks accelerated their plans that maybe they were going to be executing in the third or fourth week of January, executed them 
when they heard these heard this news come out on, on these minutes. They probably just brought forward what they would have already done two weeks from now. J- January, you can't you can't judge diddly squat about a year. This whole well, as January goes, so goes the year. No, no, I don't think no. so. I, I don't mean, agree. I remember. I remember we had a January. I don't. I, I can't tell you exactly the year. Dad's a much better at history than I am. Historian. So we had a, like the worst January ever, and I don't remember the year being that bad. I don't. No, remember. I think it was a good year. I don't remember the year. I, I yeah. believe it was twenty nineteen. But was but it nineteen? But here's something else. A lot of these behemoth mutual funds mm-hmm. and exchange traded funds. They have such large positions in some of these stocks, they can't unwind them all in one day. Which is one of the reasons... They have to unwind them in blocks over the course of many days. Which is one of our concerns that we had with our large cap uh, mutual funds, large cap stock mutual fund, is that they had become so concentrated in those five big tech names that we've talked about ad nauseum. We own, own four of the five. Uh, that it, we became, we were really concerned about the concentration they had in that portfolio, and that was one of the the mutual funds that <clears throat> we reduced quite a bit. Significant reduction. Uh, that was probably <laughs> the biggest. It was our biggest holding in the in our mutual fund accounts and our asset it, builders. In yes. our asset builders, and now it's now it's not. It's it was cut more than half, and that <clears throat> money was redeployed into other investments. And our just our actions of doing that added to the fact that you know the, all these stocks were were sold. I'm sure there were other advisors doing the exact same thing. We didn't we didn't want to take any more profits at the end of December. So what are we going to do when we we come right into January? We're going to take a bunch of profits in all these stocks. They're all fine companies. There's there's nothing there's there's no there's nothing fundamentally wrong. Why? No. You know, Microsoft was down whatever it was this week, or any of the other big names, whatever those percentages were. Uh, It's about uh, being prudent with your asset allocation, and when you have you know these this be all these big winners last year, the prudent thing to do is reduce them as soon as you can, and in the most tax and advantageous way. And that's what happened this week, accelerated by the fact of these this news being perceived by the market. Uh, as more hawkish, but all it is is just a bunch of guys sitting around a table throwing Hawking. ideas, at, throwing <laughs> ideas at each other, seeing what sticks. They're spitballing. That's exactly what mean, it is. It doesn't mean that they're actually going to do it. So d- don't fear the increase. Don't fear the taper. Don't fear. Is that a song by the Blue Oyster Cult? Don't fear it, the taper. That's don't fear the reaper. I know. I was joking. Yeah, I, I was doing a little bit of research Friday, and even when interest rates are going up, and you look at certain sectors like the tech sector or the large cap growth sector, there are years when actually uh, large cap growth actually still does well with rates going up. So it, you know, doesn't necessarily. Well, and, mean... and, and, and again, and again, even if they raise three or four times this year, so let's take the the Fed fund rate to one percent. Dad, from from your lifetime of being in this industry, is a one percent fund Fed rate high? I mean, I, 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 you're laughing. I'm right petrified. Now. Zero, I'm right? Petrified. I'm petrified. I know you're petrified, but but I'm just trying to prepare all the investors emotionally for the volatility that we are facing. We already saw and felt that volatility this past week, and like we've been telling everyone on the Money Wise program that you have to know what you own in your portfolio. When we did our giant rebalance in all of our portfolios on Monday, we did it in an effort to reduce single stock risk. And so for every one of our listeners, 
you need to go in and look in your portfolio. If you're owning individual stocks, how much of one particular stock is is the is allocated in your portfolio right now at Davidson Capital Management and our moderate allocation? We don't own a single stock that has more than a one percent allocation to it. Period. Period. I think, I think we're going back to price to earnings as opposed price to sales. I think companies that are valued on price to sales have more room to fall. I think we're going to get back to a little bit more traditional fundamental analysis where earnings are going to count for a whole lot more than what sales are. Very well, much like you and I happened. could get into a little bit of debate on that, but I'll oh, save I know, it for offline. I'll that's save that mod- for an offline that's, combo. That's old portfolio management versus yes. new portfolio. So you see, you're in the now group. I'm in the other group. Yeah, but I've got I've got a little bit of your flavor in me, and I've got some of my own. So. Only because you got Jeff and I and Joe <laughs> pulling on you, saying, uh, <laughs> it, you know, taking that big fish out and slapping it across your face, and saying, you know, I know you like price to sales, but you know, Goldman Sachs looks pretty cheap at a PE of eight. And guess what? We own it. We own it. Oh, I know, I know, we own but, it. I, but I mean, there's other stocks like that. Dad, don't worry. I still got some old. I got some old mojo in me that's rubbed off from you and Jeff over all these years working and, together. And just well, in, de- just in defense of Kyle, the the kind of stocks that you're talking about, Dad, are stocks that aren't making any money, that don't have right. any earnings. No, we don't. We don't, we don't own, own any stocks any that don't uh, don't have earnings. We yeah. have we have a number of stocks that don't pay a dividend. We have well, a number right. of stocks that's that pay right. dividends, but we don't have any stocks that aren't making money. You're talking about the GameStops and the AMCs. You're talking about well, the Reddit and the meme, the meme yeah. stocks. And I wouldn't touch many those. Of those with a many ball. of those stocks are are like the dot coms of yeah. the 20th century, but there's not a lot of those stocks out there. You know, Bitcoin could also be lumped in to the meme stocks, in my opinion. I don't think there's as much money. In total, invested in all those stocks or whatever you want to call Bitcoin, alternative investments, like there was in the dot-com era of the I, I, late 20th century. That's that, 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 when that, that, when that When that blew up in the late 20th century, caused a lot of collateral damage in the rest of the market for three years. So when these stocks collapse, and they're probably in the process of collapsing right now, and Bitcoin, if it ever collapses, uh, I don't think it's going to bring down the market uh, to, in, like it like it did with the dot-com stocks in the late 20th century. Well, and one other thing I want to say, you know, yes, price earnings is definitely important. Price to sales is important. Every single stock that we own in the portfolio is vetted within an inch of its life through a very, very uh, complex and comprehensive proprietary screening process and the fundamentals that every company that we own are as solid as rocket Gibraltar and they are constantly vetted to continue to be owned in our portfolio. So there's more than we just look at than price to earnings. I mean, we have a 44 point screening process. That's just the first two steps to, to, to get further along in our gauntlet of the vetting process of the stocks that go into our portfolio. Well, let's pause it right there. Let's take a commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com 
Well, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts, where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, I know coming to the fourth segment of the first hour, let's get into our predictions before we get to the top of the hour break. Um, so I don't know, Jeff, how you wanted to do this, let's, going let's, around the horn. Let's let Dad do it first. We'll do it by seniority. Oh, seniority. <laughs> I mean, Kyle will be last. I think I – think, <laughs> I think the Dow Jones Industrial Average will be up 14% this year. Uh, since that was the only thing we used to keep up with, I'll just stick to old school, and that'll be it on predictions. How about also, an interest rate I also, prediction? I also predict that Joe Biden's approval ratings will be higher at the end of the year than they are today. I predict the Democrats will lose control, <laughs> can go up, right? will lose control of the House. It will be very tight on the Senate whether the Republicans will take control of the Senate. If they do take control of the Senate, I predict in February of next year, articles of impeachment will be put in in the House by the Republicans against Biden and Kamala Harris. Okay. (laughs) Interesting predictions. A little bit more than just market predictions. So, Joe, you're up next. What about the 10-year Treasury, Dad? What do we the got on the ten-year treasury? Jeff is older than ten-year treasury man. will Come go on. out between two and two and a half percent. Okay. All right. Okay. So the Dow uh, in 2022 will be up eight percent. The S and P six percent. The Nasdaq four percent. Whoa. I just okay. I just don't think. What about, the, is, what about the ten-year treasury, Jeff? I'm getting there. Just a fixed income guy. Okay, so for the 10-year Treasury, I'm gonna. there's going to be four interest rate increases this year, in my opinion. Uh, we ended 2021 with a 10-year Treasury yield at 1.5%. We'll just round it off. Uh, four interest rate increases, I think, will take us up to about two and a quarter by the end of the year on the 10-year Treasury. I'm sorry, did I do? Yeah, two and a quarter, two and a quarter by the end of the year. But here's my, I always have like a little fun prediction. I did this a few years ago and actually hit it out of the park when I predicted that GE would be out of the Dow Jones industrial (laughs) average by the end of that year. I forget what year that was. So this year that the the Dow, there's not been a change to the Dow Jones industrial average since I believe April of 2020 was the last time uh, there was a change. So uh, they didn't have, there were no changes last year. So I think there's going to be a change this year, and uh, my prediction is Verizon will be out of the Dow by the end of the year. It's been in since 2004, and its performance here in the last three years has been pretty dismal. And really, if you take it back to 2004, it hadn't really been great that entire time either. We used to own it. Full disclosure, it's no longer in our portfolio. So is Net- Netflix coming in to replace it? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't pick who replaces it. That's just my fun prediction for 2021 that <clears throat> Verizon will be out of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And ten-year Treasury? Did you give that already? I said two and a quarter. Said two, two and a quarter. quarter. Joe, 
All right. I'm going to start with the treasury and work my way across the board. I agree with Jeff. I think two and a quarter is going to be the 10-year treasury. The NASDAQ put me down, Jeff, for 8%. Okay. The Dow Jones at 10, and I took the, S- the S&P at 8. I basically took the P, average P, ratio of the S&P, and I divided by three. That's what I came up with. <laughs> Why okay. not? Well, mine's not going to be my, my mine's definitely uh, building up to not much of excitement for for our listeners because on the ten year treasury, I'm actually agree with both Jeff, you and Joe at two and a quarter. Uh, I think the Dow we're going to see up eight percent, S and P at nine, and the Nasdaq the only double digit returner for next this year at eleven percent. So I'm the most bullish. At 14%. Uh, for the Dow, yes, absolutely, for the Dow. Yeah. absolutely most bullish. And I, I actually, to Jeff's prediction about Verizon, would not be a bad move to pull them out of the Dow. So I wholeheartedly agree with Jeff's stock and company to pull out of the Dow. Whether they'll do it this year with its dividend, who knows. But I would agree with you that, that dude, Verizon needs to be pulled out of the Dow. And Netflix is an interesting idea for its replacement. Uh, though Netflix as a company, I'm trying to think how long they've been in business. They've been in business, I think, really like 2002, 2003. Uh, can't trying to remember that off the top of my head, but that would be an interesting replacement uh, to flip it out. But like Kyle said, that's a it's a big dividend payer, but it's you know it's performance, and that's Netflix, why I chose. Since that's 02. why since I too. That's why I chose. GE, though, so many years ago because his performance was just so dismal. And when the Dow only accounts for 30 stocks yeah. and you have one that's just such an albatross just hanging around the neck of the overall index. So Remember, they used to have AT&T and Verizon. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. I mean, definitely, I wouldn't even call them slow growers, barely growers, if that. But they do pay a nice dividend. So, well, we've got a couple minutes to go before we get to the top of the hour break. Anything else for the uh, 2022 predictions? I hope I'm incorrect. I hope I'm incorrect as far as the articles of impeachment. I would like to see uh, civility come back to the people in Washington. I think until we get rid of everybody over the age of 65, I don't see it happening. I think the people over the age of 65 up there on either side of the aisles hate each other so bad. They're like high school kids that are fighting over various paternities, sororities, or whatever. They all act like juveniles or less than juveniles. Is this the Jets both versus sides, the Sharks? Both sides of the aisle. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke we have in leadership in this country. Yeah, Jeff. I, I, I would like to say one thing before we get to the top of the hour. You know, this week we had this piece of news with the Fed minutes kind of accelerating some selling occurring in the markets and creating some anxiety. Now, next week we have both the consumer price index and the producer price index being announced on Wednesday and Thursday. And if they come in hotter than expected, that's going to add to the anxiety in the marketplace. So watch for those two pieces of news next week. But before, and also one other thing to add, we've been talking about it all program going back a couple other programs is for all investors. It's about keeping your emotions in check allowing your emotions to get out of control and making you pushing you to make rash decisions in your portfolio will wind up doing more long-term damage 
to your goal and to your nest egg than the stock market or bond market ever could. So keep your emotions in check and just know it is going to be a much more volatile year. But all of us agree it will be a positive year, but we are definitely much more in the cautious bull camp for 2022. So with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break. So we're going to take the break and go into the news. And when we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff, and I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving in to the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com, or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So being in our second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, a lot of times we like to reserve the second hour for investor education. Um, And I found an interesting article that came from the Market Watch from the Wall Street Journal titled, Five Things... Every retirement portfolio should have, and for any longtime listener of the money, or for any longtime listeners in the Money Wise program, uh, you know that we definitely love our lists, our countdown lists here on the Money Wise program. And so I thought this would be a good article to go into because I I, I know looking through all five of these things that they're saying that what the the writer of this market watch, watch article is saying that every retirement portfolio should have I know that we can definitely add our two cents and increase the level of investor education provided in this article. So looking at number one for the five things every retirement portfolio should have. And number one being consistent income. And I know that we have talked for years now here on the Money Wise program, the lack of consistent income, or I should say decent income for retirees, particularly those that have higher levels of fixed income uh, inside their portfolio because of the historically low interest rate environment that we have. And what we have discussed on this program many times before is to not necessarily be completely focused on fixed income as providing that consistent income. And that there are a lot, there's a multitude of higher dividend paying stocks that can produce consistent 
annual income, but also give you the upside potential of price appreciation of the individual stock and kind of some of the go-tos in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And I know, Dad, you've talked many, many times on this program of the dogs of the Dow. And to explain to our listeners the dogs of the Dow again. Uh, the dogs of the Dow are the, uh, at the beginning of each year, they identify the five or ten highest dividend-paying stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and they become either the five dogs of the Dow or the ten dogs of the Dow. And the theory is you own those ten stocks for the year or five stocks if you're going with a small dog, and they will outperform the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and you'll receive consistent income. And then, and there again, if you also get price appreciation over the time that you own that stock, it's just extra icing on the cake. And again, when you look at the dogs of the Dow, when you see the 10-year Treasury yield where it is today, majority, if not all of the, the dogs of the Dow are having an annual div, a higher dividend yield than that of the 10-year Treasury in this current time. I know we haven't seen the list of the dogs of the Dow here recently, but the first stock that always pops up into my head is AT&T. Well, AT&T is still number one. And uh, and I just actually looked at it a couple days ago, and it's right around a 5.4% dividend well, yield. Well, you can say it's more than 5 I think it had a pretty good day on pretty good day the other day so yeah it is something over five percent but the one thing i would say about this kyle uh, you know the five things that we're looking for here in a retirement account a consistent income now in in days gone by obviously you would get your consistent income from the bond portfolio and that was true from the time uh in the late 70s all the way through the financial crisis back in in 08 but because, as you said, because of the policy that the Federal Reserve has been following, which is basically a zero interest rate policy, uh, this has brought all bond yields down, and therefore people who could have got consistent income from their bond portfolio, they can know, they can get consistent income. I was going to say. The problem yeah. is it's not a level at which they can be retired. That, that they can survive on unless, and as we've talked on this program, if you're one of those lucky few that has a portfolio with asset sizes so large and your income needs so modest and you also don't care about that pesky little thing called monetary inflation taking away your purchasing power, then you know you could look at having a majority of fixed income in your portfolio and be okay in retirement, but there's just so few and far between people and investors that are in that position. So bonds will still, like you said, Dad, provide that consistent income. It's just most likely not going to be at the level that's going to sustain you in retirement. And so that's when you have to look at diversifying your portfolio. And the first place to look to create that income is higher dividend-paying blue-chip stocks like an AT&T. And the first, I would say, really one of the first best places to go would be to track down the dogs of the Dow well, I think for any given year. That's that's the easiest place easiest to begin. Place. And these are all household names. So I think a typical bond investor would feel more comfortable in some of these names than names that they're unfamiliar with. Okay. So, again, five things every portfolio retirement. I want to add a little yeah. bit of something to that okay. because here, especially since the financial crisis, we there there have been a real focus among some investors on high income and focusing on stocks like master limited partnerships or illiquid, privately traded REITs or REITs in general. There's been a real focus of buying some of those types of securities and just for and just ignoring 
when they go down in value. Many of the the, the, the mesh limited partnerships, some of the REITs, had large declines in values and saw their yields go up and for whatever reason the, the the investor that held those those securities was just focusing solely on the income and not really concentrating on what's happening to the value of the security and having a 12 or 15% yield is all fine and good but there's a reason why they're yielding 12 or 15% maybe you bought it when it was yielding 8 and now it's gone down 20% or 30% in value and so, uh, yeah, it's all fine and good that now it's yielding 15%, but if you've lost 30% in principal value, what have you really made? You've made nothing. You've actually lost money. That's not as common as we're seeing now when, we, when we're reviewing client portfolios, but we know that was an issue very much in the past, and we pointed that out to a lot of investors, and a lot of investors lost sight of the fact that you can actually have declines in values in some of these higher-yielding names. And one one more thing before we go to break is that Dividends on stocks in the current tax environment are tr- can be treated more. Uh, uh, there's a better treatment of of, of taxation uh, on on those dividend paying stocks than you might otherwise get in uh, in uh, interest on bonds. Okay, well let's take a commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-275. Two one six two, and if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're continuing this hour on the five things every retirement portfolio should have. Number one was consistent income, and Jeff, I'm glad you brought up right before we went to commercial break the REITs or real estate investment trusts and these master limited partnerships and some of the portfolios we've reviewed where the prospective client has been glowing about such a high yield and high return that they've been getting in income but not paying attention to the value of the actual original investment and the principal devaluation that they've had and I've said I've actually seen this when I've talked to somebody that said oh Kyle look at the great 10 15 12 percent uh, dividend yield I'm getting, and I'm sa- and I said to them, but you've lost 50 percent or 75 percent of the value of your original investment, and then I see the look come over their face, saying, "Oh my gosh, I just realized that I was like you said earlier, focused on yield and not looking at the total overall picture." So for any listener that's in these types of investments, you know, pay attention to the underlying value of your original investment because it's not it, it's not worth getting a 10% dividend yield if you've lost 50 or 60% of your original investment. Um, and then also for the real estate investment trust, the illiquidity issues that we have been running into right. during portfolio reviews that we've done here at Davidson Capital Management, you have to read the fine print in every perspective, as we've, as we've always said, if it takes 100 or 150 pages to explain the investment vehicle you're getting ready to buy, you should not only get up, but you should get up and run. So, number two. Number two. Five things that every retirement portfolio should have. The number two item is preservation of capital. Now, there has been really, especially here since 2013 and the big gains that we had in 2013, 
there's been this obsession in the media with trying to call the top and that oh you know it, it's it, that's all it. these this all these it. yeah this is it it can't go any higher we'll go we'll data mine all these statistics to find statistics that fit our argument that says that you should be getting out of stocks now because they've had this tremendous run since uh, March of 2009 when the financial crisis basically ended and this bull market run began and there's just been this obsession with 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 folks needing to in essence board up their portfolios get ready for that coming storm get ready for that hurricane that's coming and you know preservation of capital is certainly something that every investor should be concerned about but it doesn't mean that you should go out and you should completely liquidate your portfolio every time or within a month or so of every time the Dow or the S&P or the NASDAQ reaches an all-time high, because that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the all-time high for the portfolio. The way that you preserve capital to us is you have a balanced portfolio. You have a portfolio of stocks, you have a portfolio, and in that same portfolio you have some bonds and you have some cash. So if one asset class, say stocks, is not having a particularly good day, usually that means that bonds are having a particularly good day. Or if stocks don't have a particularly good quarter, usually that means that bonds are having a, a, a good quarter. So one will offset the other in, in some respect, not dollar for dollar, but most folks that had big losses and that suffer big losses in market downturns don't have port- have portfolios that are too highly allocated to one asset class, whether it be stocks and what's getting ready to happen and what's what really started in 2013 for those investors that had high allocations to bonds, they thought that being an invested in bonds, if they got out, say, in the in the, uh, the the heights of the financial crisis in 08 and 09, and they went to their financial professional and said, I want out. I don't care what it, what it, where things are valued at. I don't care where the markets are. I don't care what the news is. I don't care what the Fed's doing. I just want out, and I want out now, and I want all my money in bonds. And they were, and they've probably felt fairly good through 2009 and 10 and 11 and 12 because – interest rates were falling, and so they were seeing the value of their portfolio go up. Now, stocks went up a lot more than bonds, but then you get in 2013, and, you, and, and suddenly this preservation of capital goal of owning fixed income, because that's, what, that's how I'm going to preserve my portfolio. I'm never going to have to worry about this again because my financial professional told me that if I own bonds, that I, I wasn't going to lose any value in my portfolio. Wrong. 2013 comes along, and these investors that had high allocations to to fixed income found out that, yes, you can lose money in bonds. And and one other thing I wanted to add to that, Jeff, you know, again, talking about a balanced account. I mean, David's, you know, we're in our 25th year of business, and our philosophy from day one and will continue to be the philosophy for 25-plus years to come is that of being a balanced manager. And when we talk about being a balanced manager, we're not talking about going to a portfolio and saying, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Client, 60% of your money is in stocks, 40% of your money is in fixed income and cash, and we're going to set it and forget it. 
it. That is not what we're talking about, and we do not advocate that in any way, shape, or form, even for our listeners that are potentially managing their money on their own. When we talk about a balanced account, it's an actively managed balanced account to be able to make adjustments when adjustments need to be made, just like we do as professional money managers for our clients here at Davidson Capital Management. You know, there are certain market conditions where we want to be a little more overweighted in stocks than we are in fixed income, like we're like our current conditions right now in the interest rate environment where we have some of our highest allocations to stocks and our minimum allocations to bonds in the history of our firm right now. But then also when the winds and the tide shift and it's time to have more fixed income exposure because we're in a more normalized interest rate environment, then that's when you need to make your adjustments. It's not just about setting it and forgetting it in a balanced portfolio. You have to be actively managed in order to be successful over the long term. And if there's any, if there's one kind of statement that I use with prospective clients and our clients here at Davidson Capital Management that I'd like to convey to all of our listeners is that the way to build long-term wealth in a portfolio, it's not how well your portfolio does in up years, it's how shallow you can keep your hole in down years. And here's just a quick mathematical example. If you lose 50% of the value of your account, and I know we've run across some folks here at, that have come in through our front door that have been in that situation, if you lose 50% of the value of your account, you have to make a 100% return just to get back to where you started. That's why keeping your hole shallow, being in an actively managed, balanced portfolio is what's going to help build long-term wealth in your account. And if you don't feel that you have the competency to do that, then you need to go out and search for a competent, registered investment advisor, someone that has discretionary control that can actively manage those assets for you to help protect your portfolio over the long term. So number two was preservation of capital. Uh, Number three of the five things every retirement portfolio should have is liquidity. And boy, I don't know how many times we have had this conversation with prospective clients uh, over the years here at our firm. And liquidity is something that I want each and every one of our listeners to think about, particularly those listeners that have traditional pension plans, And for listeners that are thinking about retiring in the short term, in the near term, and have been out doing their research of what financial professionals they possibly would want to be working with as they transition into retirement, who are shoving down your throats annuities. And any longtime listener of the Money Wise program knows our absolute disdain for annuities of any way, shape, or form. And also, in essence, when pension recipients decide, you know what, I want to start receiving those monthly payments from my pension, you have now turned those assets that you've worked your entire career to build in that pension into an annuity. But guess what these two these two things don't give you? They don't give you liquidity. And the, the pension topic is a topic I've wanted to have here on the Money Wise program for quite some time now. We always seem to be running out of time, and I know we're coming up to the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to say as much as I can before we go to the bottom of the hour break and come back. I'll continue my thought. But any listener of our program that that is lucky enough to have a traditional pension where it's growing and building value and it's going to be there when it comes time for you to retire – The one piece of advice that we have given our prospective clients through the years of service that we've provided is it's always the best idea to gain control of your assets at retirement, meaning not taking 
the annuity payments from a traditional pension. Because once you elect to take those pension payments, and let's just say in this example, you decide I'm going to be receiving $1,500 a month, that is what you're going to receive for the life of that payment schedule. Now, if you decide that you want to receive your pension in a single life payment, that's going to give you the biggest monthly payment. But guess what happens if you pass away the next year or six months after you make that decision? If you're married, your spouse receives nothing. And if you have children, your children receive nothing. And those assets that you worked your entire career to build goes right back into the pension is redistributed to other employees in the future. Um, That's if you choose the single life payout. Now, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break, so when we come back from the break, I want to go into the other payout options that retirees have in pensions and why you should be, if you have the ability to take a lump sum distribution from your pension, you need to be doing that in order to keep your liquidity. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing the five things that every retirement portfolio should have, number one was consistent income, number two was preservation of capital, and before we went to the bottom of the hour break, we were talking about liquidity, and I was taking a little sidebar discussing pensions, uh, traditional defined benefit plans that still quite a few listeners of the Money Wise program are lucky enough to receive or have the ability to receive pensions. Um, this really, this this whole discussion is really going out to you. And, and the the piece of advice that we give uh, prospective clients that come through our door is that if your pension allows you the ability to take a lump sum distribution from that pension, to take it because that then gives you the liquidity, but it also gives you full control of those assets that you possibly spent 25 to 40 plus years building and earning over your career. And so before we went to break, I was talking about the different pension payouts and some of the drawbacks of them. So we talked about the single life payout. You start receiving that payout, something happens to you, God forbid, six months later you pass away, nothing goes to your heirs or if you're married to your spouse. So that's not a very good benefit, but it gives you the highest monthly payout. Option number two is a survivorship benefit. So again, the payout's going to be less than option number one, and so if something were to happen to you, then it would go to your spouse. But here's something you need to think about under that option. God forbid something happened to both you and your spouse in a common incident, then guess what? Nothing goes to your heirs, and those monies are then redistributed to other employees that are part of that pension. Then a lot of times you have a third option, and there's multiple options, but I'm going to touch on the top three. Then option number three is you have a survivorship benefit, and then past that you have a beneficiary benefit. So if something were to happen to you and your spouse in a common accident or incident, then your beneficiaries would receive the remaining balance of your pension. But again, your monthly payout would be less. And you might be thinking, well, Kyle, those are three pretty good three options, three three pretty good options. Why wouldn't I go that direction? Well, here's something you also need to keep in mind with all three of these options. 
Once you elect to receive that pension, in this example, let's say it's $1,500, that is what you're going to be receiving for the rest of your life or for the rest of these payout elections that you've made. Well, there's something out there called monetary inflation that a lot of folks that feel this high level of comfort and security with receiving this monthly benefit check from their pension don't realize is that that $1,500 you're receiving a month, every month that goes by, that $1,500 buys a little bit less. Now imagine receiving that payment for 20, 25, 30 years. I can assure you 30 years from now, $1,500 is going to be buying a heck of a lot less than it can today. And so someone who's a pension recipient who's thinking about annuitizing and taking that monthly payment needs to think about what we just discussed, but also monetary inflation eroding the purchasing power of that check because they're not adjusted for inflation. And you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. That's why we always recommend to take the lump sum distribution, the cash option distribution, and put that money to work for you because it gives you the liquidity, it gives you the access, and it gives you the ability to pass those assets down to heirs. And what if you, let's say you take the election and you're 62 years old, 63 years old, and a couple of years you're getting the $1,500 a month, but something happens when you turn 65 and you need more than $1,500 a month. Yeah. Can't do anything. Can't do anything. Or how about this? How about the total opposite? How about if you have... Usually when you re- when you retire from an organization, you might have a traditional 401k and a pension. A lot of the refineries here in Corpus Christi have two parts to their retirement. Well, let's just say you have enough in your 401k to live off of in retirement, and you don't really need to touch the pension. Well, if you let's say you just let that pension money accumulate, and you didn't make – and you elected to just have it all rolled into one account, you, you – uh, Put it to work. You for put it. you put it to work. You don't have to start taking distributions from even your four hundred one k or your pension retirement until you reach the age of seventy and a half under current law. So flexibility, and 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 that's not one of these one of the. Uh, it should be five, a slash. It should it be should, liqui- it should be liquidity, liquidity slash flexibility. That's right. And by committing yourself to a stream of payments. No one knows what's going to happen in their life 10 years from now, 20 years from now. A year from now. A year from now. I mean, six months from now. Life can change in the blink of an eye. So why tie your hands into something? Why, why, Why make a decision right now that could affect you a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road? You're just reducing your flexibility by committing yourself to to a taking a pension uh, payout in in the form of of payments, which is, in essence, an annuity. They don't ever call it that, which is very interesting. It's not – when when we see the paperwork and we advise clients that come to our office, it never says annuity. It's just this is going to be your payment for your life, life for your heir's life, for your spouse's life. It doesn't say – that this is an essence an annuity, but that's exactly what it is. Well, and, and again, the technical definition of annuity is a steady stream of periodic payments. Well, guess what? We have clients at Davidson Capital Management that are taking monthly distributions from the assets we manage and, in essence, have created a quote-unquote annuity for themselves, by, but, but doing it by not owning an annuity, and having full access to their money in case... Complete liquidity, complete complete flexibility, flexibility. 
and complete access at all times. And the longest our clients would go without getting their hands on their assets in case, God forbid, an emergency is three business days. That's it. And so this pension conversation, again, goes right in line with annuities, and it really, again, adds to our disdain to annuities. And as Jeff said, you know, taking those, those monthly payments, you're handcuffing yourself. You're handcuffing yourself, and you're not giving yourself an out. And so we highly recommend before any decisions like this are made to pick up the phone and call us to at least receive an education on what your options are. Because I can tell you this, and I've run into this with a couple of our clients, Jeff, some companies that provide pension benefits do not advertise that there is a lump sum distribution option at all. They do not discuss it. I know one of our clients in right. Houston, we actually, he, our client had to make a phone call and put the hot coals to somebody on the other end of the phone before they finally admitted, yes, sir, you're correct, we do have a lump sum distribution option. But on all the paperwork that I assisted our client in filling out prior to his retirement, didn't say it anywhere. And it ought to be against the law for employers to, 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 to mislead Absolutely. their retirees that, that that option's not available to them. And the reason that they do it is they want to keep as much money in their pension plans as they can so that the 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 corporations that make co- corporate contributions into the into the employees pension plans by keeping more money in it they don't have to contribute as much as, right. as a corporation which improves their profitability that's right and so there's a incentive for less than full disclosure to occur when it comes time to retire that's right it's not very common but it does happen it does happen so Again, five things every portfolio retirement should have. Number one, consistent income. Number two, preservation of capital. Number three, liquidity and you know, for we, Jeff we, slash flexibility. Yeah, flexibility and, and kind of maybe reiterating what we had said in some of the in some of the previous uh, uh, number one and number two about liquidity and and the the private place private placements are the are one of the biggest violators of. Of liquidity. Of liquidity. Yeah. Uh, we've especially private placements sold REITs. We've seen a lot of them sold in the financial since the financial crisis, and the rules have actually changed since we really started talking a lot about them. Uh, the, they're required to report you know, the, the change in value of those private placement REITs, where in the past that they weren't really supposed to. If you have, if you're signing up for an investment, and it has a 200-page prospectus. You need to start asking some hard questions to the person on the other side of the table about how liquid this investment is. And if you can't get your money out of it in three business days or less, then you have to really question whether this is an investment that you should be in. A lot of these private placements and a lot of these private placement REITs especially you can't get out of them for up to three to six months after you put in a request. And actually, I've read on the front page of prospectuses for these private placement real estate investment trusts, or REITs, in bold letters. Now, granted, the, the print is about an eight point, so it's almost microscopic, but it's in bold. And it says that this is not an actively traded security, does not have an active open market for liquidity, and liquidity can be significantly and is significantly reduced. And, Jeff, I know you have personal experience with clients here at Davidson Capital Management where it took our client almost six months to receive benefits back from a 
private placement real estate investment trust that was purchased. So you, you've been around the block a few times with these. In the 25 years we've managed money, we, have n- we only invest in securities that are publicly traded, that, that, have, that you can look up online, that have a symbol, you can, whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's a stock, whether it's an exchange-traded fund, whether it's a bond. They're all publicly traded. They're all highly liquid investments. And w- we would not recommend to most investors, unless you're very sophisticated and you have a, a portion of your portfolio that we would call your quote-unquote play or Vegas money, that you avoid investments that are not publicly traded. Okay. So, again, when we're, we're getting ready to take our last commercial break for this weekend's Money Wise program. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up five things every retirement portfolio should have. We've done consistent income, preservation of capital, capital liquidity, slash flexibility, and we've got number four and five coming up after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll free at 1 800 275 2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So in the last segment of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to wrap up five things every retirement portfolio should have. So far, we've covered consistent income, number two, preservation of capital, number three, liquidity, and then Jeff has added slash flexibility. Number four is competitive costs. Now, we have talked, oh, my gosh, how many? I mean, we've, we're now in our ninth year of doing the Money Wise program here on 1360 KKTX, and we have talked about all the different ways people in the financial service industry are paid, from commissions to commissions paid on products that are sold. And at Davidson Capital Management, as a registered investment advisor, we are completely fee-based. Uh, and our max fee being 1% of total assets per year as far as our management fee is concerned, and our fee goes down from there based on assets under management. Um, And the one thing that we always recommend to anyone looking to hire an investment professional is to search out the registered investment advisor that is on a fee-based schedule, not a commission-based schedule. Um, And really pay attention. I know from just looking at our competitors in the marketplace here in South Texas that at Davidson Capital Management, we're anywhere from 25 to 50% less expensive per year when it comes to our management expense. And so that's something that you'd always pay attention to and understand that when you're working with someone that is in a fee-based structure, a fee-based arrangement, that really puts them in the same side of the table or in the same boat as you because it gives them the, the incentive. The more money they make for you, the more money they make for themselves, and then if the value of the portfolio goes down, so does their management fee. So pay attention to competitive costs. Ask the questions. And and just really read the fine print. Don't be afraid to ask whatever whoever the financial professional is you you may be working with how much they're going to make for managing your money or selling you a particular product. There's that that's that shouldn't be a question that you should be afraid to ask. And 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 the person on the other side of the table should not him haul around or should not try to deflect the question away because. Cost 
and what you're paying in the portfolio in terms of management fees and expenses, and there's lots of other ways that fees get collected from investors that we didn't even go, we don't really have enough time to go through in this last segment of the show, they can add up. And they're not always obvious. And you have to, as Kyle says, dig deeper to figure it out. Uh, For folks that are involved with wrap accounts at major brokerage houses, and they go by different names depending on what brokerage house you're in, many of those wrap accounts start off at two two and a half percent per year, and go up from there. That's right. Uh, we've seen many wrap accounts that exceeded three percent of assets under management, and don't even get a startus started about annuities. Well, I, I, and I'll, I'll kind of leave this okay. number four segment with this. If anyone that you're working with is paid through commissions and you ask them how much commissions they're going to make, and their answer is nothing, that's a flat out lie. That is a flat-out lie. They're not people doing it work. out of the goodness of yeah, their people heart. People don't work for nothing. They don't work for nothing. So keep that in the back of your mind. So the fifth and final thing that every retirement portfolio should have, and again, see this and we talk about this time and time again, is long-term growth. The bottom line is, is as you get closer to retirement, and as Jeff said at the the beginning of this second hour, you can't just board up your portfolio. You cannot say, well, I'm two or three years away from retiring, so now I'm just going to move everything 100% into fixed income. Now I'm safe. Yeah, preservation of capital should not overshadow long-term growth. You always need growth. Whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, you need some form of investment growth in your portfolio because that investment growth is what's going to help offset monetary inflation over the long term. That's why growth is so necessary and is a requirement for any successful portfolio. And I will say this. The last few 401ks that I've reviewed for prospective clients, I've been noticing just here recently a trend, especially with how well the markets did in 2013, where I've seen folks that are you know, in their mid to late 50s that are sitting 70, 80, 100% of their 401k in either cash, fixed income, or the stable value fund because they feel that, you know what, I've grown my 401k to four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars and I'm not willing to take any more risk, so I'm just gonna put it all in the stable value fund and ride off into the sunset and that is the worst thing you could do. They're allowing preservation of capital to overshadow long term growth. And and we've always said don't be confused with preservation of capital with return of purchasing power. The the lack of thought towards monetary inflation is is a bad thing that you that you could do for your portfolio not paying attention to that not realizing that loss of purchasing power is a loss well it's not going to show it on your statement but it is a loss one thing that that i think we could safely say as financial advisors is that these days of the cpi running around two percent are just about over and we have no way of knowing how high inflation is going to be in the future, but it's definitely not going to be at this level. Another reason to not say, oh, $700,000 is enough, and I'm just going to, as you say, ride it to the sun. I mean, that the funny thing is you think you're playing it safe. You are actually taking a big risk. You think you're being safe when you're doing this. You are not. And you could be doing long-term irreparable damage 
to your retirement portfolio. And so if you find yourself in that position and you might be past the age of 59 and a half, one thing I just kind of quick sidebar to throw into this, if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of 59 and a half, most standard prototype 401k plans allow you to take what's called an in-service distribution. And that allows you to roll out the balance of your 401k, hire a professional money manager like a Davidson Capital Management to manage those assets for you while you are still working for your current employer and also allowing you to continue to participate in the 401k to receive any of the matching or profit sharing dollars that your employer is providing. And we have done this, we have done this with a multitude of clients over the years, but again, it is something that is not advertised by the 401k provider that you have the ability to do this. So if you're in this past 59 and a half years old, you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, you know, it never hurts to pick up the phone and make a call and to learn about what your options are with your 401k because if you've amassed four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars or more in your 401k and you're nervous about the future and you don't have the wherewithal to manage it yourself, there could be some options out there for you to hire a professional manager to oversee those assets. So long-term growth is an absolute key. Do not board up your portfolio. You'll need growth in that portfolio for the rest of your life. So with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two for my father john and my brother jeff this is kyle davidson saying have a fantastic weekend and to your financial health we will talk to you next week